But could you sense the presence of God there? See, those are the times when we need to get that seed in the ground. When that anointing's there is when you get the seed in the ground. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word this morning. I thank you, Father. I I can just sense so strongly in my spirit that this is a, a... a marked point, a marked day. Yes. It's the beginning of something bigger, something greater. That's being done and will be done for your kingdom, not only in this nation, but around the world. And Father, I thank you. You've brought a group of people together here to accomplish a work for you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of many. The first of many. The first of many. (laughs) Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I I was thinking as I was sitting there how in my family, I have three brothers, so there's four of us. You know, I know people that, that come from, maybe, maybe some of you come from a family where you're the only child. And I've thought many times, oh, you know, I wonder what it was like growing up without, you know, brothers and sisters. And, but, you know, this family is not going to be a family that's an only child family. This is a church that's going to have a multitude of children. Grandchildren, great grandchildren, because what you know? What does a healthy couple do? They reproduce. What does a healthy church do? Reproduces. Because who's the groom? Jesus. Who's the bride? The church. Us. And so when you have Jesus and you have the bride. You have children being born. And what does a church give birth to? Churches. Yes, yes, yes. Churches. Why don't you open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. I have to say, I I had about probably 15 different messages. And, uh, you know, praying and just saying, okay, Lord, which way do I go here? Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. I'm going to read from the Amplified. It says, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. He entered the synagogue as was his custom on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read, obviously talking about Jesus. There was handed to him the roll of the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book. He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, those who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity, to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. The day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Then he rolled up the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. 
And the eyes of all in the synagogue were gazing attentively at him. They were waiting for, what's he going to say next? He began to speak to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled while you are present and hearing. And then it says, All spoke well of him and marveled at the words of grace that came forth from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Jesus came in at that point in time and said, this is what I'm here for. That was his mission on earth, wasn't it? Okay, so he leaves. What happens to that mission or that mandate? He's gone. So who has it now? We do. If you ever wondered what you're supposed to be doing as a believer on this earth, he says right here, the Spirit of the Lord, and we could say this, we could, we could say this, we could read this and be absolutely sure that this is what God's called us to do. Yeah. We could say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You can say that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? He has anointed who? Me. Say that. Say, He's anointed me to preach the good news. You could go all the way through that and say every one of those and say, yeah, that's what God has anointed me to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do a work. I loved what what you said, Martin, about that Antioch church. Every church should be an Antioch church. Every church should be. We are called to duplicate not only individually duplicate by sharing the gospel with others, but churches should be duplicating. Churches should be giving birth to churches. And Matthew, just what you said, that is the number one way of evangelism. So, what I want you to do is turn over to Joshua chapter 24. We're going to look at a few things here. You know... God lays out a very specific pattern of the way things should be done. The church is God's plan and God's pattern. It isn't something that man came up with. It isn't something that someone decided, oh, let's, let's start it. No, this is God's plan and God's pattern that he came up with. And so you cannot separate the plan of God from the church. They go together. Anything that God is doing in the earth should be being done through the church, through the local church. Joshua chapter 24. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 31, it says this, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the works the Lord had done for Israel. So we see it says, Israel served the Lord at, during the days of Joshua and then during the elders also. But there was a time when then they didn't serve God. If we look at the history of Israel, there was a time when they did not. They turned their back on God. So why was that? we can see that they served the Lord under certain kinds of leadership and then other times they just 
didn't serve the Lord at all. So I think what we can see, and if you look historically at Israel, there were times when Israel backslid and began to serve other gods. They backslid. But then we see with Joshua and the elders, we can see a key thing here. Why did Israel continue to serve God under this particular type of leadership? It says they had known all the works the Lord had done for Israel. Who were these people, Joshua and the elders? They were the people that had seen the miraculous works of God. And so what did that do? They had that inspiration. They inspired that generation to serve God. They inspired that generation to follow after God because they'd been exposed to the miracle working power of God. See, that exposure to the supernatural, to signs and wonders and miracles, it, it imparts something to people that will cause them to go beyond just a casual relationship with God, just a religious formality of doing the things that you know you're supposed to do, into actually having that fire of God on the inside of you to do something incredible and great for God. And so what does it do? That, that, that miraculous inspires people. Inspires people. It, it increases their capacity. It causes them to want to just go and get it done. Yeah. Now in the States, there's this little saying, especially in the South, get her done. <laughs> get her done. G-I-T-E-R-D-O-N-E. Get her done. <laughs> What's that mean? We're going to get the job done. We're going to get it done no matter what. So when you're exposed to the supernatural, miracle-working power of God, there's something on the inside of you that changes. It absolutely changes. So why was there backsliding after Joshua and the elders died? Let's think about this. What was the assignment that God gave Joshua? What was his assignment? What did God say? I want you to do this. To possess the land. To lead Israel into the promised land. And to take that inheritance that God had promised to the children of Israel. So let's turn to Joshua chapter 1. And God gave some very specific instruction to Joshua. If we were to read verses 1 through 9. We won't read the whole thing uh, for the sake of time. But he gave him some very specific instruction. He knew what the land was that they were supposed to go and take. He was told to lead the armies. He was told in verse 7 to be strong and courageous. He was told very many times not to fear. So he says the assignment was, You're to go into the promised land. You're to defeat the Canaanites, the Jebusites, Parasites, all the different ites, whatever ites are in the land. You're to conquer the land and then turn that over to the 12 tribes as their inheritance. So Joshua did what he was told to do, but Israel had not fully entered into the promised land because when Joshua died, there was still territory that they had not taken. 
It wasn't until David came along about 500 years later that they fully possessed that land. So, here's what we need to catch. Joshua and the elders passed on that, uh, we say baton, I guess here it would be baton, to that next generation. What was that? It was that assignment. It was that mandate. It was the thing that they were supposed to then continue on and walk in. What did they do? They settled and they occupied. They settled and they occupied. You know, the Word of God says God is a God who has more than enough. But how many of us see Him as a God who's just enough? We get to a place, a certain place of blessing, and we kick back and go, Good enough. Good enough. And God's saying, No. Because I'm not a God who's eh, good enough or just enough. I'm a God who's more than enough. More than enough. So what did they do? They just settled down and said, we'll just occupy. You know, the safest place for a believer to be is on the front lines of an assigned battle. The safest place is on the front line of an assigned battle. The most dangerous place a believer can be is a place of trying to protect what you already have. What you've already been given. I just got to protect it. I just got to protect it. That's a dangerous place to be. Now, it's true we're to guard and shepherd certain things, but... We're not to have an occupation mentality. What's an occupation mentality do? It puts up a wall. Yeah. Here's our little fort. And we got to just, you know, make everything really good in our little fort. And just, man, just occupy till he comes. And then every once in a while we'll peek out. Oh, that's a bad world out there. Shut the gate and stay inside. No, our goal is not occupation. Wars are fought for what reason? Victory. War is fought for victory. Victory is what? For the purpose of occupation. What's occupation for? It gives you a base to then advance. So, war is fought for victory. Victory is for the purpose of occupation because you've got to get in the land. But then, what do you do then? Advance. Move forward. Advancement. God is all about advancement. You know, we see the scripture says we are to occupy until he comes, but we're to occupy so we can advance. How long do we advance till Jesus says it's over? Till he says it's over. When's that going to be? When he returns. Up until that point, we have an assignment to accomplish. We have an assignment to accomplish. Turn back to Revelation. That's way in the back of the book here. Revelation chapter 11.
In verse 15, it says, The seventh angel blew his trumpet. There were mighty voices in heaven shouting, The dominion of the world has now come into the possession and become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever for the eternities of the eternities. So what is our assignment? We saw it when Jesus came to the earth. He said, this is what I'm to do. This is, and then that obviously assignment is passed on to us. The assignment is to see the kingdoms of the world become the kingdoms of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are kingdom carriers. The word of God says the kingdom of God is where? Within us. Within us. So we're to make the kingdoms of this world the kingdoms of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can only do that by advancing. By advancing. Not just sitting back and uh, advancement. Advancement. Our assignment's not to go to heaven. Okay, don't confuse your destiny. Our destiny is heaven. Our assignment is not heaven. Our assignment's not heaven. You know, I hear people say, well, you know, like, like Matthew said, you know, it'd be great if Jesus came back now. No, it wouldn't. We still got too much to do. Too much to do. Matthew chapter 6. I'm giving you lots of scripture. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10 gives us in just a quick little snapshot scripture our assignment. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's God's plan? That His whatever we see in heaven, we can have on earth. His will is for heaven's realities to become earth's realities. Who can do that? The ones that carry the kingdom on the inside of them. And that would be us. That would be us. So our our assignment is to bring heaven to earth. Now, we all have very specific assignments to accomplish, don't we? But don't they all contribute to that one Assignment. They're all basically the same. We're here to occupy so we can advance. And when Israel, now you remember, they had a history of signs, wonders, and miracles. I mean, you look in the Old Testament, I mean, God just moved incredibly on their behalf and did incredible miracles and signs and wonders. When they stopped advancing, did you notice the miracles and signs and wonders? Stopped. And I would, I would venture to say, you look at the history of the church, and when you see the church lose its sense of mission about what it's called to do, that's when you see the signs and wonders and miracles stop. We could say it this way, when they fail to have an enemy, they fail to have miracles. When they fail to have a conquest, they fail to have miracles. So in the generations after Joshua and the elders, 
went into that protection and occupying mode, you don't see the miracles and signs and wonders. And so then what happened? Because there were no miracles and signs and wonders, the people began to backslide. Because all the relationship with God just became a religious relationship. There was no life in it. There was no supernatural in it. God's a supernatural God who does supernatural things. But they got into that protection and occupying mode. Another good example. How well did it work out for the guy that buried his talent? Not too good. But really, isn't that what they were doing? Is burying their talent. See, this is a dangerous place for any believer to get. Dangerous place for a believer to be. Just taking up space. God never called us just to take up space. He called us to do something great for His kingdom. You know, Acts chapter 1 and verse 10. Excuse me, Acts chapter 1, verse 7. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in His power, but you shall receive power power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. While He had spoken these things, while they beheld, He was taken up, a cloud received Him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, steadfastly toward heaven, they were looking... And thinking, oh, oh no, what do we do now? What do we do now? But what was the promise that Jesus gave? You receive power. So the same things that I did, you'll do. As he is, so are we. Where? In heaven? No, in this world. In this world. So we're here to advance. Flip back over to Joshua chapter 1. And this is the promise that God gave to Joshua. Every place on which the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given to you as I promised Moses. So every place that our foot steps, what does that mean? Every area of our life. Every area. But what do you have to do? You have to go into that place. In other words, you have to advance. You have to start moving forward and get your feet in those places. So what could we say? Our assignment is occupation and advancement in every area of life. Physically, in the area of health, God wants us what? Not only healed, but walking in health. Financially, God wants us not to have just enough, but to have more than enough. In what He's called us to do as far as a a ministry in the local church, He wants us to do what? Advance. 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 Not just sit back, but advance. Okay, so you walk in breakthrough in an area. 
financially, you have a breakthrough. Do you say, ha, I'm set now. No. No. What do you do? You keep advancing. You keep advancing. You know, I've never understood the thinking that says we're, in sports, it says we're really far ahead in this match or game or whatever. No, we can just kind of back off now. (laughs) Matthew's going, no. I say you keep scoring points till the game is done. And that's what God's saying. You don't back off. You do not back off. You keep going and going and going and going. And you say, well, I've, I've reached this breakthrough in my life. It's the same area of finances. I've reached this breakthrough. Why do you keep pressing? So you can help someone else reach breakthrough. Because it's not about us, is it? It's about the plan. It's about the mission. It's about the mandate. Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to be finishing up here with a little bit of a challenge for you. Actually, it's a big challenge. How's that? Do you like big challenges? Luke chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. It says, now after this, the Lord chose and appointed 70 others, sent them out ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to come visit. He said to them, the harvest indeed is abundant. There's much ripe grain, but the farmhands are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So what was he saying? Advance. Advance, advance. The presence of God. We have the presence of God on the inside of us. It qualifies us. It doesn't just qualify us. It requires us to do the impossible. It requires us to do the impossible. We don't have any option. If you wonder, you say, well, I'm just not seeing the miraculous in my life. Are you giving God an opportunity to show forth his miraculous power in your life? Are you just sitting back and waiting? You know, I've, when, you, when I've gone to pray for people, you know, that are, that are the world, the doctors say they're ready to die. And you pray for them and they die. And people say, well, I'm not going to do that again. I prayed for them and they died. Well, what if I pray for this person and they die? What if they live? Yeah. Is the glass half empty or is it half full? What are you expecting? I mean, you have to step out there at some point. It's like that video this morning, inviting someone to church. So what if they say, yeah, I'm not going to listen to a bunch of stories about old guys. The first time Susan invited me to church, you know what I did? I swore at her. I said, I'm not going to blankety-blank church just full of a bunch of hypocrites. I'm glad she didn't quit. Yeah. I tell you what, because she was obedient to do that, the supernatural power of God got a hold of me, and that's why I'm standing here today. So you don't quit. This is one thing our pastor, uh, Mac Hammond in Minneapolis, he always said this, and it's just like, it's ingrained in me. If you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. Okay, Acts 10.38. What did Jesus do? What did he do? 
Acts 10.38, what does that say? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, and He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with Him. The presence of God, the Spirit of God was upon Him, was in Him, and because of that, the fruit that was produced was what? Healing, deliverance, miracles. The Spirit of God is on the inside of you. And it's there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. It's not just to have warm fuzzies or goosebumps. It's to do a work that Jesus started when He came to this earth. Now it's up to us as the church to finish that work. To finish that work. In Luke chapter 10, verse 3, this is what Jesus said. He said, Go your way. Behold, I send you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Seems kind of mean, doesn't it? Jesus going, Go on out there, little lambs. Go on out there and play with the wolves. But he'd given them everything that they needed. They may have been lambs, but guess what? They had the ability to defeat those wolves. They had that ability. That's where the miraculous was needed. needed. Now, we look at Joshua and those, the elders, and then those after them. One of the reasons they didn't carry out the assignment is they forgot who they were. They forgot who they were. They forgot what God had done. I like to live in a place where if God doesn't come through, you know, why would God call us to do something that we could do on our own? Why would God call us to do something that doesn't require His power to get the job done? Then we're just doing it in our own flesh, aren't we? We're just doing it in our own flesh. You know, the kingdom of God works completely different than natural kingdoms. Luke chapter 10, and let's read in verse 7. Stay on in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. The laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whenever you go into a town and they receive and accept and welcome you, eat what's set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come close to you. This is the place where we're the safest. It's when we're doing the will of of God. Joshua and the elders, the generations after that, took the assignment of God and reduced it to something that could be accomplished in their own strength. And because of that, it wasn't accomplished. It wasn't accomplished because they tried to do it in their own strength. 
Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. This is the key. Jesus said this, Behold, I've given you authority and power. You have the authority and you have the power. It's not our power. It's His power in us. And so this commission that He's given us is absolute. It's absolute dependence on Him. It's absolute assignment from Him, not reduced to what we can do in our own flesh. It's absolutely we it's 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 absolute authority in the name of Jesus. I mean, you think about it, he's given us everything that we need. Everything. We just have to say, "Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yep. It's not about me. It's not about my deal. It's all about you." It's all about seeing those signs Wonders and miracles. And who's God going to use to do those? Us. Us. We are the church. We are the body of Christ here on this earth. If God's going to move, who's He going to move through? His body. When you move, who do you, what moves? Your body. He's going to work through His body. I was thinking about this yesterday. When it talks about how Jesus uh, uh, defeated principalities and powers, I was looking at some different translations and I can't remember which one. One says He paralyzed principalities. And I started thinking then about how we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And I started to think, well, let's see, if Jesus paralyzed them, And we're wrestling against them. Can you imagine wrestling a paralyzed person? It's a sure win, isn't it? I mean, what can they do? Nothing. Nothing. See, this is where we have to see ourselves. We are victorious. Not we will be. We are victorious. So he's given us everything we need. He's won the battle for us. Now he's just saying, you go in force, the devil's defeat. You enforce the devil's defeat. I want you to stand this morning and I want to um, challenge you. I just want to challenge you here. As I said, the safest place for a believer to be is right on the front lines in the battle. That's the safest place for a believer to be. It's real easy to just sit back And not do those things that God's told you to do. And like I said, where does this happen? In the context of the local church. That's what God uses. I mean, I I have a whole teaching on the local church. How the Word says it's the pillar and ground of the truth. If you want to walk in the truth, if you want to walk in victory, if you want to walk in blessing, you have to be in a local church. Otherwise, you are out from under the plan of God. You are absolutely out from under the plan of God and out from under His blessing. Period. That's it. So when I talk about the plan of God for your life, the plan of God always involves the local church. It always involves the local church. Now I really feel this very strongly. There's some of you here this morning that you have kind of said, well, I've just been working really hard and you know, I just need to kind of take a few steps back and just sort of 
regroup and, okay, guess what? Yeah. Take about five minutes, regroup, and then get back at it, okay? There's no taking a year or two or six months or eight months or whatever off from the plan of God. It does not happen. A day or two to rest and just, okay. But I'm telling you what, this thing of sitting back for years, no. No. And you wonder why you haven't seen the power of God at work in your life? There it is. There it is. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to say, make a commitment now to change. Get back in the game. The only cheerleaders, the only cheerleaders, you know, rah, 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 that you see in the Word, you know where they are? In heaven, cheering us on. So if you want to be a cheerleader over on the sidelines, just check out now. Because God's not looking for cheerleaders here. He's looking for people who are going to get in the game and say, I'm ready to go. And I know too, there are some of you this morning that you were feeling that sensing in your heart. I need, I'm not sure what it is, but there's something I need to do to help Pastor Matthew over in Bradford there. I'm not saying it's to move over. It may be. But there are some of you that God just spoke to you during this service as he was sharing. And it's like, okay, I need to, I need to do this. I, I'm so blessed at this. And that's a part of it. But it's also, as Pastor Matthew said, coming over and helping, committing to pray, doing those things. Be obedient to do that. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Thank you, Father. So, Father, I thank you. For those that heard this word this morning and didn't just hear it, but received it, they really heard it because now they're becoming doers of the word. And so, Father, I thank you for those that have made that change in their thinking. They're they're no longer sitting on the sidelines, but they're jumping into the game. And Father, I thank you for those that you you were speaking to their heart this morning about doing something for Pastor Matthew and Fina and WHBC Bradford. Yes. Oh, feels good just to say that, doesn't it? Yeah. Whoo! <laughs> Hallelujah. Children, the first of many. Yeah. First of many. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. Woo! Jesus. First of many. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.